This is episode 196 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing the 2011 Winter Youth Celebration with Hugh Halter. This is session five. Morning. How you all doing? All right, I told you I got a cold because it's Portland. My, uh, my, my right nostril hasn't worked since high school because we used to take uh, my buddy's water ski boat out and try to jump tugboat wakes out in front of downtown Portland on the Willamette. And I hit a tugboat. And so, can you see my nose, like, from that direction? Notice how it's not straight. So I'm probably straight right there. Can you see that? It's like it's off. Now it's straight. So I haven't been able to breathe out of that nostril for my whole life. And now I can't breathe out of that one because I got a cold from being in your city. So, And then this morning, I woke up. Is this mic okay? We're going to make it? Got a little bit of a buzz. Should I use a handheld? Talk amongst yourselves for just a moment. Uh, this morning, I woke up. And uh, I don't know what it is. So Portland, you get a cold, hanging out with high school students, and I got a zit on the side of my neck. <laughs> I haven't had a zit for 25 years. Can you see it? It's freaking huge. <laughs> like, we're going to do a little Q&A. So if you're over on the left quadrant, I'm going to need you to wave your hand because I won't really be able to see you because I won't be able to turn my head. High school, I actually had... Uh, what was called cystic acne, which is uh, the, the word I term for it was like terminal acne, like you could die from it type thing. It's a, it's a big, big, huge ones. And um, I actually used to have to go in, this is a true story, uh, for four years in high school, I had to go into a dermatologist every week and they would take big long needles and they would shoot my big herkin zits full of stuff because uh, if they didn't, they would just keep growing and eventually my head would fall off. And I had all these tools that the dermatologist gave me to like kind of take care of stuff. I had stuff where I could pop them. I could scoop up the goo. I, I mean, I, I could like take a, a pop can and put it 12 meters away and knock it over. <laughs> I was incredibly accurate. And then uh, my senior year, I got one. If you, if you talk with me in the hallway, I actually still have a hole right here. I had one so big right here for six weeks, I could see it from both eyes. And in my yearbook, um, four people referenced uh, my name. They called me Cyclops. So that's, that's what I remember of high school. So thank you for giving me a cold, and thank you for returning a zit to me. I love that. I will have fond memories. I wonder if a Red Bull would help. I've never had one of these. I, I see them. Are they good? I'm going I'm to try this. I'm going to try it. What's, it. what's it taste like?
All right, so good morning. I'm up now. I'm ready. You guys ready? We're going to do a little Q&A. Um, you can ask me anything. Um, but let's try and keep this, like, functional, okay? Let's try and helpful to the conversation we've been having. We'll do this for maybe a half hour. I'm going to give you some reminders, and then I'm going to walk out, and if you've got a question related to any of these, let me know. I can't remember my name. What was in that stuff? Wow. Huh. That works. Hey, I can breathe out of my left nostril now. That's awesome. Okay, so we have talked about uh, incarnation. We have talked about missional. We have talked about uh, being an apprentice versus just a disciple. Talked about Jesus being sacrilegious. Talked about being second decision Christians versus first decision church attenders. <coughs> Sorry, it's going to keep happening, I think, for a while. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, so maybe that primed the pump a little bit. So um, go ahead if you got some questions that you'd like me to address. And if they're dumb questions, I'll just tell you, we'll move on. So don't worry, we'll keep it moving quickly. I'm kidding. I'll be nice to you. Anyone? Anyone? I might need some help seeing hands. Yes, over here. So, if we're supposed to be apprentices, who's supposed to be our master? Jesus or people on earth? Um, yeah, the first guy. <laughs> Even though he's not here anymore? So, back in the day, if you were uh, obviously with Jesus, you would have, he would have been the, like they just called him rabbi, right? Because back in the day, the religious leaders were literally, you would apprentice. So if I was rabbi and you were one of my students, like all throughout Jerusalem and around the surrounding countries, they had hundreds of rabbis, and each rabbi had kind of a unique way of being a rabbi. They had kind of a little bit different spin on teaching or a different way to do things. And so almost like if you took martial arts, anybody take martial arts in here? There's different disciplines. Um, and that was the way kind of a rabbi was. So you would apprentice and you'd almost find somebody that you liked the way that they did their stuff. Now, we don't have Jesus to actually show up personally and walk us through stuff, but we have, we have the scriptures. And so we have the stories of Jesus' life, how he lived. And I think there's enough in there now that we can kind of piece together kind of what life should be like for that. So, yeah, I, th I think literally just going back to the scriptures, looking at his stories, and going, he did that with those types of people. So maybe I'll try to do that with those types of people here. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Yeah, over here. Um, what... What is your definition of religion? Like what, like I know we don't want Christianity to be religion, but what, why? Like what is religion? Um, that's a good question right there. Um, religion would be kind of a system of beliefs or doctrines or what oftentimes becomes traditions, right? Um, that scripture that I read to you guys out of James where um, James says, hey, this is pure religion. 
that God your Father considers blameless. That's one of the few times the word religion is actually used in the scripture. Um, so like if you study religions in your high school, there's like five main religions, Buddhism, Islam, those types, you know, Jewish. Um, so there are sort of systems of thought that we've identified as a religion. So Christianity is considered obviously a religion because it does have a system of doctrines and beliefs that, you know, are important. Um, but when you start thinking about Jesus, um, what makes him sacrilegious is that he, was, he wasn't necessarily trying to tear down religion. He was trying to separate himself from religion so that you would know that when you follow him, you're not actually taking on just a system of beliefs. You're taking on an actual relationship with God. And that relationship with God trumps religion. So many of you have grown up, how many of you have grown up in a Christian home? How many of you have grown up in a non-Christian but religious home of some other faith? Okay. So all of us, you know, most of us have grown up in some type of a system. And oftentimes the one thing that keeps you from really being able to follow Jesus is mostly traditions that come from religions. So if you grew up Catholic, there are some traditions that, um, it's actually interesting that uh, like when Jesus would try to separate himself so that people would get it, um, he would talk about how people um, can't follow him because they follow traditions of men. And oftentimes this is what happens with religions. There's some good stuff in there, but traditions become more important. And so this is what makes it hard to actually find Jesus. That's why I sort of wrote that to my daughters, is that I know even growing up in the halter home, they would pick up on some good stuff about God, but they might have, we might have also added some traditions that might make it difficult for them. So the Ten Commandments were given to God's people to teach them how to live. And then the religious leaders added hundreds of other laws to those, and that, be, that was there at the time of Jesus. So he had to go, look, we've got to tear down some of the stuff that's not really the essence of what this whole thing's about. So, yeah, it's a good question. What else? Over here? Um, when you're talking about Fiona, you said that you were making... Uh, stuff about the kingdom. What did you mean? Um, well, I said I was making it up for one reason, is that I had never been taught about the kingdom for number one. But when I was in high school and early college, um, I loved the scriptures, and so I read it a lot. I memorized seven books of the New Testament uh, in college just because I loved, I loved the Bible. Um, and so while reading that, I remember now lots of times where a lot of those scriptures mention the kingdom, but nobody ever taught me about it. Um, it was just like it was afterlife. And so when I was making up stuff, I was more or less just sort of reminding myself of things that I had heard on my own. That's why like when you guys are trying to start over with Jesus, try to just take the gospels. Like if some of you are new to the faith or you're not a Christian yet and you're trying to figure it out, I would just go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I would just highlight how many times Jesus talks about the kingdom and just start building your own story of what that is. It's actually, he'll tell you, hey, the kingdom's like this. Kingdom's like a little mustard seed. Okay, it starts really small, but then it grows and it can take over. So it starts in your heart and it can take over a family, it can change the way an abusive dad treats his kids and that can change the course of that family, it grows. So Jesus will tell you, kingdom's like this, so the kingdom's like that. So pay attention to that. That will tell you how 
life's actually supposed to operate. What else you got? Still more over here? Here, come to the middle. We'll get ringing from the speakers. You can run around this way. No, that stuff really, like my, my left nostril's running now. Oh, I'm going to do that Red Bull more often. Uh, what's one of the best ways to make disciples without pressuring people? Nice tie. Very impressive. One of the best ways to disciple people without all the pressure. Um, invite them to live in your world. Um, there was a dude that came to Denver to play professional lacrosse. Um, guy name was Brett. Um, was on the cover of uh, a lot of lacrosse magazines. Really cool guy, but he wasn't a Christian. And he was actually fairly anti-Christian, but he was hanging out with our people a lot. He was very close friends. And we had a team of our people that uh, would go down to Nicaragua to a, a community that was... I'm really struggling with this stuff. I'm going to try not to burp out loud anymore. Um, anyway, so we were sending a team of about 10 of our people down to work in a community that was living in a dump. And uh, so we invited Brett to go with us. And so Brett went down there, and he ran into the, the, the poorest of the poor, and a, a young little 12-year-old girl just connected with Brett. And after the trip, I heard that um, when they were getting going to the airport, she went with them, and she would not let go of Brett's leg. She just hung on to him. And uh, so after the trip, I took Brett out for coffee, and I said, hey, you know, tell me about the trip. What happened? And uh, he just goes, goes dude, I've, I've been wrecked. Uh, ever since I went to the trip, and he told me about this girl. He goes, all I do is think about her. And I said, what's happened in regards to your, kind of your faith? You know, what happened with the God stuff? I know you're not really into that. And he goes, I, I don't know. I just, he goes, like, I pray all the time now. I pray mostly for this girl. I hope that somebody's listening to me. And uh, I said, anything else? And he's like, yeah, I just, I've been trying to figure out the scriptures now because I, uh, I don't know what hope there would be for a girl like that, unless there was a God, so I'm trying to figure that. So I said, so you're, you're praying a lot, and you're, you're seeking God, right? He's like, yeah. Uh, I said, Brett, you're kind of, um, sounds to me like you're following Jesus right now. And he goes, I am? I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what people, followers do, is you, you start praying, and then you start trying to seek God. That's, that's all a follower was, when Jesus would just, live. There were people that weren't, they didn't know if they were fully in or what, the, what this whole thing was about, but they were intrigued and curious and desperate. So they would literally, as he would walk, they would just follow. And Brett goes, well, what should I do? And I said, well, just keep following. And that's some of like, when I talk about, um, if I have a great conversation with somebody at a Starbucks, and then I feel like there was some kind of connection made, and I go, I think I've got a heart for that person, and I start to go back. I actually feel like I'm beginning the discipleship process way before somebody comes to faith because that's the way Jesus did it. So don't view discipleship as waiting for somebody to come to faith and then I'll start teaching them the Bible. When you have friends that are watching your life and they're going through hard times, you include them in what you do as a Christian. So all of our communities, we tell them, include people. Whenever you're going to go do the mission circle, the blessing circle, Always invite non-Christian people to be with you in that because in that they experience the kingdom. And so, does that make sense? 
So discipleship actually starts way before somebody goes, okay, I get it. Once they go, I get it, then you're starting more apprenticeship. Okay, this is now how we live. Before that, it's like, here's what the kingdom is, and here, let me show you. It's about blessing. It's about encouraging people. It's about loving people. So it's a good question. Yes, sir. Back here. You keep working the left side of my neck. on saying how the kingdom is so important and how come none of the pastors that I've had except for James person has mentioned it or at least all right what about those pastors what's the problem <laughs> you, you really want to know where this came from this problem came from 30 miles south of Dublin Ireland was over there a few years ago, and we were going out to a monastic site. And while we were driving down this little country road in Ireland, um, the guy said, hey, that's, a, that's Darby's house. And uh, I went, Darby, that sounds familiar, because I had been to seminary before I got kicked out. Um, and I said, uh, dispensational Darby? They said, yeah, that guy. Okay, let me explain to you something, okay? Um, the word evangelical, how many of you have heard that? It's kind of a bad, a bad word now for people outside. Back in the day, evangelicals were actually the people that would take the gospel and then they would do beautiful things. They would take care of the poor and whatever. So, but now evangelicals have taken on more of a theological term. And, and what happened is this guy named Darby out of Ireland, um, he came up with some theology that I, I studied under. And dispensational theology sort of there's some good stuff in there but it's basically the belief that God doesn't deal with us today like he used to deal in other dispensations of time so when you read about Jesus healing people well he dispensational will say well he doesn't really heal people anymore because it's a different time and Darby was a disciple a guy named D.L. Moody out of Chicago and D.L. Moody was what's known as the father of modern-day evangelicalism and so he started a Moody Bible Institute, and many of our seminaries today came out of that dispensational theology. And forget all that, because there is some good stuff in there, but what's behind all that is an unconscious belief that starts to happen with two primary things. And that is that the kingdom is not at hand, it's where we go later, after we die, and the Holy Spirit doesn't do what the Holy Spirit used to do. And so, when you actually believe the kingdom is afterlife and the Holy Spirit doesn't really help us here, all you have left is sort of an evangelical or focus on trying to evangelize people and get them into the kingdom someday. Is this making any sense? And so most of our churches today, most of our denominations, kind of unconsciously took on that belief system. So just like I was, I grew up and I was never taught about the kingdom. Most pastors aren't taught that the kingdom is really at hand. And so it's, I don't, I don't know if that answers that, but that's, that's kind of been the belief. Um, so it's sort of the blind leading the blind in some ways. So the fact that, you know, sometimes I look back at me being a pastor for 20 years and I never told anybody about the kingdom or the Holy Spirit. 
That's like missing two of the biggies. Okay? And so it's no wonder that Christians end up being rude and obnoxious and pressure people because we think that's all we got left to just try to get people into the kingdom. So when Jesus said it's no, it's at hand, means now you actually don't have to be a butthead. You actually can actually exhibit the kingdom here and you can wake up in the morning and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide and use you in the world. So it's a good question. How, by the way, how much time we got? Where are we at? Anybody running the show? Jeremy, what time... By the way, my watch doesn't work, so that doesn't help me. Five minutes? Okay. How about, yeah, one more. The other night, you had said that Jesus isn't about a relationship, so what is he about? Actually, I said that, um, oh, it's it's your question. Okay, so here's what I really said, um, that the... The, or not the religion, but the way of following Jesus um, is not a personal relationship. Even though you have a personal transaction or you do have a personal relationship, it's not designed for it just to be about you and your Bible and your devotional time. It's, you, you get adopted into a family. You get given a common mission with other people. Um, and there's really no scripture that's written in the, in the Bible that's just for you. We'll oftentimes say, remember the books written to the church of Philippi, written to the church, written to the saints. Okay, so it's never really just about you. It's really always for the, in fact, you can't really do this vertical thing unless you do this horizontal thing. Actually, we'll say stuff to people like me. They'll say, hey, husbands, don't even pray to me and expect me to answer unless you're treating your wife well okay so you don't get to just do your thing you don't get to just go to church and sing songs and be encouraged and don't take care of the poor Um, it's actually quite a few scripture even in the old testament where god says i actually despise your church gatherings like when you gather and you worship and you come and you bring me sacrifices i actually hate it and he'll say i just wish you would just show mercy so this thing you're trying to do with me Unless you show mercy, I don't. Does that make sense? So we're all in this mess together. That's why community becomes so central to the, the witness of the gospel. Okay? Let me do this in the kind of last few minutes. Um, you guys have been going through the primer, like one week of this. Um, Jeremy wanted me to kind of set you up for the rest of the, the time, maybe the rest of your life out of this. Um, remember when I talked about second decision Christians? and monastic communities as being kind of a, uh, sort of a picture of that. Um, What we did in the primer is we tried to essentially set up a monastic rhythm for you. So in the larger book, I think we've got a few back on the table, you can take a look at them. Um, There's eight weeks of material. So we're just giving you one week and you're really just about finished with day two and you're gonna go into day three. Um, I want to kind of walk you through the flow of this so you understand kind of what we're trying to do. So if any of you really want to take this seriously and you go, look, I want to keep going with this or I want to grab some friends and do this, um, the content that you're going to get, um, like this week you're going through the first week, what is missional? Because unless you start that way, remember it means to be sent, so at least you've got to get started and go. Um, but the next week's going to be on what is incarnational. So we said, 
if you're missional but you're not incarnational, you look like that big dude in the Speedo, remember? And incarnational is about your posture. Um, posture actually means the attitude of your body. So like you know that if, uh, like if I'm in a fight with my wife, which happens rarely because I'm incredible, um, and I say, hey babe, how you doing? And she goes, fine. Her, uh, her non-verbals, her posture tell me, oh, she's not fine, right? So in fact, if you take a psychology class, you learn that non-verbal communication is more important than verbal. So those of you that are nodding, you're, you're actually giving me, yeah, I kind of like what you're saying. And some of you, I, I picked that, you don't have to say anything, it's more important. Posture, the attitude of the body, you might even say the attitude of the body of Christ. It's, it's um, when you live incarnationally like Jesus, you're actually putting on the posture of Jesus with your friends and with the world. So we're going to do a whole week on that. Uh, third week is on what is the gospel. So you might have been taught that the gospel was a system of doctrines that you share with your friends about Jesus. And that's all. Now maybe you've learned that the gospel is the gospel of what? It's the good news of the kingdom, right? It's a story of an entirely new way of live, uh, of living opened up to you because of Jesus. It's a whole new story. So gospel is going to be a lot bigger, so we'll take a week on that. Uh, then we're going to go through what is community for just a week. What's biblical community? So you might have thought biblical community was, was having really close Christian friends. And then maybe after yesterday, you now realize biblical community is actually an inclusive place of belonging that actually includes people that are trying to find God, right? Um, then we're going to take two weeks and do uh, sort of missionary practices. One week's called Living Out. And how many were in the sessions, the breakout sessions with me yesterday? We talked about actual missionary life. So one week's on Living Out. What do we live out? We live out loving, we live amongst, we listen and we leave our stuff. So there's gonna be sort of stuff that we initiate to the culture. The next week is called inviting in. So what's it feel like when actually people outside the faith start to come towards you and your friends if you're good news? So we're gonna do those weeks. And then um, the seventh week is called becoming an apprentice. So I think you got that by now. An apprentice is different than a disciple. An apprentice actually tries to actually live the things that Jesus lived not just knowing things about that. And then the last week's called the intuitive life. I wanna just give you a couple words on that. Um, intuitive means that you're not being forced or you're not being programmed. And at some point, um, I actually think people your age can be more intuitive than people my age. When you get to 45 and you've done things a certain way your whole life, it's hard to break out of that. When you're your age, you're, you actually, you can get creative and you can go, yeah, I just wanna be able to wake up and I wanna follow God. So at some point, when you're done with eight weeks, you can, somebody can't keep handing you a book so that you'll follow Jesus. At some point, you actually have to wake up, sign in for duty, and learn how to listen and see the, the Holy Spirit work in your life and follow him. So when he says, drops a name on your head, about somebody that you should love or bless, and you start to go, oh, that's you, God, and then you do that, and you see him show up, that's, that's the intuitive life. So those eight weeks kind of flow every day, and every week you have a time to explore the idea. Most of the primer experience is for, for you personally, 
but then it, it also, on every fifth day, it's your community day. So um, there's also every fourth day is what's called an action day because we're trying to, again, make you active, an active apprentice. So um, I think first week, you've got this scary, scary page. It's kind of dark. How many have looked at that yet? Okay, so every week, fourth day, you've you got to do something based on what you're learning. So this day, since it's about being missional, which is really going cross-cultural, whether you go overseas or you cross your street, um, this is designed to help transform you. And it looks kind of dumb, doesn't it? Like cross your street, cross your fence. Does that sound hard? It actually is. I have people email me, a pastor emailed me one time and said, I decided to do this with my community just because I was a pastor. I thought I should help out. And he says it came to the first week, day four, and he said, I realize I've been a pastor for 20 years. I'd never really talked to my neighbors. And they all knew I was a pastor. So he goes, I was feeling kind of guilty. And I saw the woman come out to the mailbox from my bathroom window. And he says, I, I knew right then I should probably go do the action item. And he says, the guilt of being such a bad represent, representative of Jesus, he says, it paralyzed me like I didn't go talk to her. And so then he looked at the second option, which is to cross your fence. Now, crossing your street is like, it's just right there. But crossing your fence, for most suburbs, the fence to get to that house, you actually have to walk around the block. And so he said, I, I determined I was not going to fail at that one because the next day is a community day where you have to sort of report on how you did with the action item. So he said, I don't want to be a loser. And so he said, I started to walk around the block. And he says, uh, when he got to the next street, he remembered he had actually had two sort of experiences with that neighbor. One was when the guy's tree grew into his yard, one of the limbs, and he took the chainsaw and cut the guy's tree limb down right in front of him, and then threw the tree limb back over the fence at the guy. And so they had some words. And then he said the next time he had an interaction was when his own kids mistakenly threw the Frisbee into the guy's yard and he saw the guy grab it and chuck it all the way over the front of his house. So he said he stopped and he sat on the, the curb. So for about a half hour, trying to decide if he would actually go knock on the guy's door. And he said, you know, fortunately he picked 2 o'clock in the afternoon to do it because he was sure the guy would be at work and then he could at least tell the his small group that he tried, and so he went and he knocked on the door, and the guy was there, opened the door. And he says he just stood there, frozen. And they both kind of looked at each other, and he blurted out, um, sorry about the tree limb. The guy said, um, sorry about that Frisbee thing. It was seven years before. And then the guy said, um, you want to come in for a beer? But he signed a little document when he joined his denomination that he would never drink alcohol, so he said he was having this conversation with God, like, what do I do? So he said he walked in, and the guy, he said he took a sip. And then he said they talked for about three or four hours. Both said they were sorry. And the pastor said at the end of his email, he said, it was the first time in 20 years of being a pastor that I ever felt like I actually obeyed Jesus. That's the power of being an apprentice. When you see Jesus do something, and you go, I'm going to do that myself, it, that actually transforms you. 
And you, you've heard me say that sermons may not be as important as maybe we think they are. And maybe just reading scripture. I saw all of you guys through all the hallways on the stairs, you're all reading your scriptures this morning. It was beautiful. But you will find that if, uh, in fact, First John actually tells you that you actually only know what you obey. And the rest of the stuff doesn't really help you. If, if you keep hearing it but you don't obey it, that scripture actually doesn't help you. So imagine this. Like, there's a couple times where Jesus says, well, I've been thinking about instituting this at my own church. What if Welcome to Christianity 101 class was let's just do the two big things where Jesus said do this. So where he says, uh, here's the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. What if you just said, okay, you want to start off being a Christian? Let's just do that for a year. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Would that change things, you think? And what if we said, once you got that down, once you know that scripture, then we'll move on to the other basic one, pure religion that God, your father, considers pure and blameless. Look after orphans and widows. So everybody, let's go find an orphan or widow. Do you think just if we obeyed those two simple ones that that would change the course of history? And change the story? Absolutely, because we would obey those. So that's all we're saying there. Active apprenticeship. And so we hope if you go through the primer, Grab some friends that you think want to be second decision Christians. Um, if there's some that you go, I'm not sure, go ahead and include them. But the primer may not work for all your friends. You might have some that have no interest in actually following Jesus. They would just rather know about him. Don't belittle them. Maybe just don't invite them. But find some friends that you think really seriously want to change the world. And also maybe include some friends that don't know Jesus and say, I'm going to start over. I'm trying to refigure out what it means to follow Jesus. I've got this little book I'm going to do. It kind of helps with that. If you have any interest in what it really is all about, would love to have you be a part of that. You, you will find that you'll, some of your friends actually might really love that. So um, does that make some sense? That's how that book works, and your youth pastors uh, can get you some help on that. So we good? If you have any more questions, I'm going to hang out for another hour just down here today. Um, and then my last session with you will be at 2 o'clock today. So then I've got to go fly away. So if there's just stuff that maybe you didn't feel comfortable saying, you know, in front of a lot of people, um, feel free to just try to grab me. So, all right, I'm going to go remove the Red Bull from my system. <laughs>